Well, good morning. Thanks, Sarah. Sarah's here. Sarah's listening. I love it when the worship prepares the way for what I'm going to share, which it has just so wonderfully this morning. So thank you, worship team, for being so sensitive to what God was saying and is saying what he's doing. Um, during the worship, I had this sense or this picture, but not really a picture, that I just wanted to start by sharing with you. So in two weeks' time, I am going on holiday to my favorite place in the world. Yes. I've not been there in nine years. I mean, I've not been everywhere in the world, but it's my favorite place I've ever been to. We'll, we'll go with that. And I've not been there in nine years. And honestly, we were talking about it yesterday. We're going with my parents and my, my brother and sister-in-law. And I felt that sense of excitement. I just, I just can't wait to go. I'm so excited because it's a place that I just feel so free and alive. And I love it. And I just had this sense during the worship that for some of us, we kind of think, oh, I'm so far off where I want to be with God. I'm so far off that dream of my ideal location or this place that I've been before. I'm so far away and I don't know how to get there. And in the same way that my holiday is within touching distance, so is freedom for you. And what we're talking about today can be a bit of a heavy subject, but the context of it is freedom. The context of it is that God is inviting us to get rid of the things that are between us and freedom. And so as we approach this this morning, let's think about, let's focus on God wants freedom for us. And so if you have that longing in your heart that just feels like, oh, I want to be there, and I don't know how, it's possible. It's possible, and I, I invite you to open your hearts this morning to what God wants to speak to you about. Because this whole series has been about the lies and the ploys of the devil that he puts deliberately in our path to stop us from getting to freedom. <laughs> it's not an accident that they're there. They are deliberately put there by the enemy, and we, this morning, are taking steps to deliberately remove them so that we get freedom. So I just thought I'd share that before we go into it. I also just wanted to start with a, with a testimony from this week, from Thursday. On Thursdays, I help out at the Marketplace, which is across the road at St. Mary's, and it's an incredible place to see God at work meeting with the people who come in, our members, and we have, we had a guy come in this week who is a very regular member, we see him lots of the time, he comes in with his wife, um, his children go to Hope School, so they are very much part of this local community, and he came in, and he's always been a little bit, he's always had health problems, but he came and he said, oh, my leg's really hurting today, my back, my legs, he's got sciatica, and he just said, I, I can't, I can't move, like, look, I can't lift my leg very high like this. So two members of the team offered to pray with him. And the reason I'm sharing this is because today we're talking about the power of the Spirit to remove those things in our path to freedom. But I think sometimes we just need to remember what that power of the Holy Spirit is. And so two of our team prayed with him and 
felt led to ask him about the length of his legs. And it turned out that one of his legs was shorter than the other one. Some of you know what's coming, and it's wonderful. And so this wonderful man allowed us to, to pray for his legs, and he stretched them out in front of him. And this Muslim man watched his leg grow in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of God. That is the power that we're talking about this morning. And let me just remind you that whatever it is that stands in your path, whatever that looks like, however big, however inescapable, however unsurmountable, it is defeated by the power of God. The power that grows legs on a Thursday morning in St. Mary's Church. And this man was, you should have seen his face, he was kind of, oh, oh, he said, so I've got, he, I've got heat. His, his English isn't brilliant, but he said, I've got heat down my back, down my spine. And then he was walking around like this. Because he, he was, I, I couldn't do it, I can't believe it. I, and then he said to one of the people that had prayed for him, are you a messenger? And we said, no, <laughs> it's the power of Jesus in us. That's, what he's, that's what's healed you. And so we're not talking about healing today, but we are talking about the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and that's the reality of it. So just let that sink in this morning, because that is the power of God in us. And so to tie it all back in, as a church, we've been looking at the series Live No Lies. You've seen this slide hundreds of times. There it is, once for the penultimate time. We've been looking through the book by John Mark Comer, and uh, I have to say that the podcast Live No Lies, I found really, really helpful, so I would encourage you to listen to it, even there's only about six episodes in the series, and I listen to it on the way to the school run, it works quite well. But we are coming into land on this series, as Theo said, I'm speaking today, he's finishing up for us next week, um, and we've talked about the deceptive ideas of the devil, fed to us by the devil, that play into our disordered desires, which I think is on the next slide. Um, and today we're finishing up looking at the flesh. There it is. And then next week we're going to look at the world. But actually I found this series really helpful in reminding me of the spiritual battle that goes on around me. Because my blindness to it only weakens me in my ability to stand against the ploys of the devil. I found it really helpful to remember that I need to equip myself with the Word and the Spirit of God. So today, we are going to talk about how we overcome and fight back so that our desires of the flesh don't control us. Nice light topic there for you. Now, just to make it clear right at the start, your body is not evil. Your body is a gift. But, like the rest of our souls, our body has been corrupted by sin. And as a result, it can often work against us. And sometimes, we or the Bible refers to that as the flesh. Now, all of us here will be aware of things in our own lives that aren't good. That might be habits, relationships, entertainment choices, character traits, addictions. This is what Paul refers to as desires of the flesh. 
And often we find God draws our attention to these things, not to shame us, and that's an important difference. It's not to shame us, that's not from God, but to prompt us to open our hearts to allow the Spirit of God to work and for us to partner with him in bringing change. So the big question of today is how? How do we fight our flesh? We all face a war with our flesh. It is inescapable, but it doesn't have to be a tug of war between two equally matched sides. When we view that lens through God's Sorry, when we view the battle through God's lens, we're reminded in 1 John 4, verse 4, that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And so as a bit of a spoiler for you, although I've already given it away, as a bit of a spoiler for you, it's possible for us to win the battle. Our key point for today that we're going to come back to a few times is this, the way we fight and overcome our flesh isn't through willpower. It's through the Spirit's power. We get access to that power through the practices of Jesus. So let's talk more about the battle. In Genesis 4, when Cain kills his brother Abel, God described sin as a beast within. And that beast shrinks or it grows depending on whether we starve it or feed it. The American psychiatrist Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz also likens the idea of the flesh controlling us as being like animal desires. He said this, the more you pamper and submit to the desires of the flesh, the more they grow into insatiable cravings. A potato chip or an orgasm tends to make you want another one. His words, not mine. Every time we sow to the flesh, we feed that animalistic part of us. The more people indulge their flesh, the more it takes over their whole beings. We need to defeat it. And Paul talks about the challenges of the flesh in a few of his letters in the, Old, in the New Testament. New. Uh, And we're going to look at one in Galatians 5, verse 24 to 25. It says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So if we want the desires of our flesh to lose their hold over us, we have to be prepared to take extreme action, to kill those desires and replace them with something else. The world tells us that willpower is enough to overcome our problems. I saw something just this morning that said uh, something like, to overcome your problems, just replace it with... just." change the subject in your mind. And that is true, but we have to change the subject in our mind to something else. And just willpower doing that is not enough. We need the Spirit. Now, willpower is not a bad thing. In fact, we need our willpower to get us into helpful disciplines, which we'll come on to. 
But here's the problem with willpower. Willpower versus a second or fourth cookie might be one thing. It might win sometimes. But willpower versus triggered trauma or addiction or trying to use willpower against self-defeating behavior that's rooted in past pain, willpower doesn't stand a chance. So if you feel like you're failing, don't give up. Change your strategy. Willpower is not the answer to your problem. Let's return to that passage in Galatians, because Paul gives us the correct strategy. Now, right at the end here, Paul's command to follow the Spirit's leading is the last of three identical commands in Galatians chapter 5. They come at the beginning, the middle, and the end of Paul's teaching on the flesh. The first one in verse 16 is to walk by the Spirit. The second in verse 18, be led by the Spirit. And thirdly, here in verse 25, live by the Spirit, follow the Spirit's leading. For Paul, the way we fight the flesh and win is not through willpower, but through the Spirit's power. And to win, we need access to a power that is beyond us. That is the power of God. And the way that we access that is something that we have come back to again and again and again throughout this series. We access the power of God through spiritual disciplines or the practices of Jesus. What do I mean by spiritual disciplines or the practices of Jesus? It's the things that Jesus did in his life that strengthened him with the power of God. And they are really important for us too. They're things like fasting, prayer, reading scripture, silence and solitude, confession, meditation and worship. They are spiritual disciplines because they open us to the spirit who is God's empowering presence. So the role willpower plays is to get myself into the habit of practicing the spiritual disciplines. Because these disciplines fill us with the Spirit's power to fight back. It is as simple and practically difficult as that. Small, simple, regular habits or disciplines that open our mind to the Spirit of God and close them off to the flesh. Now, all of the spiritual disciplines are helpful. We we want to practice all of them. But I would like to spend just a little bit of time highlighting two that are especially important in our battle with the flesh. And these are fasting and confession. Two of everyone's favorites. So firstly, fasting. To be clear in this context, I'm talking about fasting from food. Now, fasting is a way to bring the desires of our body under control and rely on God's equipping presence rather than the things of the flesh to satisfy us. Now, by way of warning, at first, fasting probably won't feel like this great access to power. 
When you begin fasting, it's common to feel sad or anxious or maybe just hangry, if you ask Alex. For me, I find that I just want to look at my phone and scroll through everything, which shows you what I focus my attention on. But with regular practice, these feelings mostly go away, and they're replaced by a sense of intimacy with God and spiritual power. The key is that fasting trains our bodies to not get what they want. And in a culture that is so run by feelings, desire, and instant gratification, fasting is wildly countercultural. We assume that we must get what we want to be happy. But that simply isn't true. Fasting says we choose God, not the flesh. And it's powerful because regular fasting retrains our minds to shortcut to God for our strength rather than to ourselves. So that's fasting. Despite our best efforts, we do still make mistakes. And that's where the second practice is so powerful. And this is confession. The power of confession is not that it makes us feel bad. That's not the point of it. The idea is that it brings freedom, not just forgiveness. Because it drags our sins into the light and doesn't allow them to remain hidden. Dietrich Bonhoeffer explained the problem of sin so well. He said this, Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. Most sin takes place in private or in our minds. It thrives in and it feeds off the secrecy and darkness. But the Bible gives the antidote to this. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Note to each other. Few, if any people, ever triumphed over sin without shining the light on it. Now, I grew up in the Church of England, and I could recite to you the confession prayer, which I would say every week in my mind. But the key isn't saying it in our minds. What needs to happen is actually what, what James says is for the light to be shone on our sin so that we can walk into freedom. Because in making our sin known, the power and hold it has over us is often removed. That's why in our own minds isn't enough, because it still has power over us. It is still secret. We have to make it known, not in a massive situation like this, but in trusted relationships. There's a film that has always made me think of this, and I think demonstrates this point so well. It's a film called Eight Mile. It's not my normal genre of film, 
um, it is about a rapper. And uh, he's a, he, it's like all about gangs and all that kind of thing. As I say, it's not my normal thing. I watched it as a teenager, but this scene has stayed with me. And the story is about this rapper who's held back by his past. The rapper's played by Eminem. Um, and he fights to break through the boundaries that are put on him and those low expectations. He wants better for himself and his girlfriend and their, their kid. And yet, every time the character starts to go somewhere, he is knocked back by his past and why, by what people think of him. Now, there is an incredibly powerful scene in the final rap battle. Now, a rap battle, if you're not familiar, is where you tear your opponent apart until they can't reply, or it's decided by the rapper who deals out the most verbal damage. Did someone say, yep, yep, experience right here. So, in this scene, Jimmy Smith Jr., also known as Eminem, stands in front of, <laughs> sounds really silly talking to about this, I don't sound like the last person in the world to watch this film. Um, he stands in front of a crowd who has continually put him down and called him Trash. That's his nickname, Trash. But instead of tearing into his opponent, Eminem raps out every awful thing he's ever done and every reason that would disqualify him from success. Every reason that would make people not like him. And then he turns to his opponent, and slightly more musically than this, says, now tell these people something they don't know about me. The result is silence. His opponent stands there with nothing to say. His power over Eminem is gone because Eminem has done it all himself, and he wins the rap battle. Yes. It's a moment of breakthrough, <laughs> and however badly I might have just told the story, I wouldn't necessarily suggest you watch it, you know, but it is a really powerful moment that illustrates the power that confession has, because it takes away the power that the enemy has over us in our sin. That thing that he's whispering to you saying, yeah, that disqualifies you from everything. If they knew that, they would never want you around or they'd never get you to do this. Or all these things, the lies that the enemy speaks to you that we've covered and that we've talked about over the recent weeks. All of those things. When we shine a light on that with a trusted individual, the power is gone. It might not feel like that before you do it. It might feel like the scariest thing in the world. But it takes away the power. Because just the name of the, sorry, just the act of naming our sin out loud to people that we know and trust breaks chains. This is why saying sorry to God in our mind does not have the same power to set us free as an AA meeting or a pattern group or community group. Because not only does confession flood our darkest parts with light, but for me personally, I have found my deepest intimacies in my greatest vulnerabilities. When we lay ourselves bare in front of people we trust, we find love, support, and connection. It is far easier 
to walk into freedom with people around you. So here's the main thing that I hope you take away from this. The way we fight and overcome our flesh isn't through willpower, but through the Spirit's power. We get access to that power through the practices of Jesus. And fasting and confession are just two of those especially helpful practices for us in our war with the flesh. But there are many more that you can experiment with. The key is to find ways of living in reliance on the Spirit's presence and power in your ordinary life. And if you hear nothing else, hear this. We do all face a a war with our flesh. It is inescapable, but it doesn't have to be a tug of war between two equally matched sides. So let me ask you some questions. What are you facing right now? Where do you need a way out? A thought pattern you just can't break free of, a compulsion or addiction that's killing your joy, or maybe a character flaw that leaks out in embarrassing ways despite your best efforts to nip it in the bud. How do you feel about it? Sad? Defeated? Resigned? Are there any areas of your life or character where you've lowered your expectation, settled for the tug of war rather than for victory, or just grown numb? Friends, willpower is not enough. We need the Holy Spirit. But we can only bring the Spirit's power to bear in these situations when we have trained ourselves to lean on God's strength. So what practices are you going to use to do that? We're going to have a a time of response now, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. But during this time, can I encourage you to make an action plan for yourself. Maybe giving fasting a proper go, not just a one-off, but a proper go, sounds like that could be a really good idea. And if so, can I, can I encourage you this week or right now, decide which day this week you're going to fast. And then the next day, the next week, and then the next week. Decide now, make a plan. Because if you go out from this place without a plan, you think, oh, I'll think about it later. I I don't think about it later. I get distracted. So decide now. Or maybe you know that you need to confess something to to a friend. If so, decide now who that's going to be and when you are going to do that. Maybe even send them a text and say, hey, I'd love to meet up. I've got some stuff I need to chat about. Would you meet up with me, please? Because when we are vulnerable... That's the place that we allow the Spirit to meet us in. And maybe this morning it's about asking the Spirit to refill us where we're at. Saying, God, I just need you. Would you come and would you fill me? The band are going to lead us in a song. I'm also going to invite the the ministry team to come down the front. If, If there's something that you would just love prayer for, 
there is significant power in inviting God into a situation to break the chains that that bind us. And it might be that you, you know you want to try fasting or confession or something else, but in order to even get that far, you need prayer. And so we'd love to pray with you this morning for freedom or for anything else that you've come with this morning that you would like to invite God into. It would be our privilege to pray with you. But let's pray to finish. Father God, thank you that you want our freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Father, we long for freedom. And for some of us, it feels so far away and unattainable. But it's not because you are the God who smashes down walls between us and you. You are the God who runs to us in our mess. So, Father God, we invite you here this morning. We ask you that you would come and do your work in us. Father, would you prompt us as to what it is we need to do next? Would you bring your freedom, God?